so uh, like Don said, I'm married to Mark. We are the site pastors at Kingswells. And we have two boys called Cully, who is 11, and Judah, who's 12. Um, and yeah, this is a picture of Judah here. Now, the reason I've put this up is that Judah has wanted a snow globe for his whole life. Okay, he's nearly eight. <laughs> he's wanted a snow globe. And as a parent, I find that um, I'm always looking for opportunities to teach my kids. And I'm not just talking maths and English and stuff like that. I'm talking just like life stuff. You know, just you, you're in a moment and you think, oh, I could teach them something here. And, and sometimes, you know, teaching them about um, even who you are as a parent, you get the opportunity to show them that they can trust you. And that you love them. There's all sorts of moments come. So this Christmas we got him a snow globe. And you can see he's delighted with that. And he also got a pair of roller skates. Now, the one thing, the one thing we said to him on Christmas morning was, do not combine the two. The roller skates with the snow globe. And that was fine. And he said, yes, mum. A few days later... We were just chilling in the house, having pajama day, and all I hear is crash. And a few seconds later, <laughs> you know, there's sobs coming from the living room, and I went through, and of course, you can guess what happened. Here's Judah standing in his roller skates with a no longer existing snow globe. It had smashed into a million pieces all over the floor. And he was absolutely devastated. His prized possession was smashed to pieces on the floor. Now, of course, there was some consolation. And I was like, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. But it was a teaching moment for me to sit down with Judah and say, listen, when mom and dad say something, listen to us. Trust us with what we're saying because we're saying it because we love you and we're saying it so that you will trust us that we know what's best for your life. And there's a real teaching moment. And as parents, we have quite a short window of opportunity to, to have those teaching moments with our children. And it's the same for Jesus with his disciples. He knows he has three years to not just teach them in parables as he often did, but to take life's moments and use it as a teaching opportunity to say, this is who I am. You can trust me with your life. And there's a story that we're reading in Mark this morning. It's Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And it's when the disciples are in the boat on a lake and a storm comes. And it's looking pretty um, ropey. And this is how the story goes. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. 
And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves (coughs) obey him. I love this story. It talks about a furious squall. What on earth is a furious squall? It sounds like something that happens in the Forbes house when someone takes the last last Yorkshire pudding without asking. (laughs) We have many furious squalls in the house and I don't quite have the same effect as Jesus when I say, quiet, be still. A squall is a storm that comes suddenly and unexpectedly, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Have you ever found yourself in a furious squall? A situation in life that arrives suddenly and unexpectedly and threatens to knock you off course or even sink the boat with you in it. In this story, it says a furious squall is coming after them. It's relentless. It's like no storm they've ever experienced before. And we can, we can tell that because when seasoned fishermen, the most experienced and qualified people that you'd want on the boat in a storm, men who'd been through many a squall before, when they are starting to panic and are crying out to Jesus, we're drowning, don't you care? you know it's a bad situation that they've found themselves in. One that they have no control over and all the expertise and experience in the world can't get them out of this storm. And this is the moment that Jesus decides to teach his disciples. This is a teaching moment about his authority and power and about his sufficiency and about faith. So he'd been teaching them in parables and now this was the real hands-on teaching moment. He wanted them to experience him, to experience his authority, to experience his power and ultimately to learn that they can put their trust in him. You know, they'd seen his power work in lots of other people's lives up until this point through healings. And now this was their moment. And this morning we need to climb into the boat with the disciples and see it as a teaching moment for us too. Jesus wants wants to teach us all about reliance and dependency on him and how there is the possibility of peace in the toughest of times. And the truth is, he uses the storms of our lives to do so. We find ourselves in situations where we've reached the end of ourselves. And all we can do now is turn to him. Because we want to stay in the boat, don't we? He says, let's go to the other side. We want to get to the other side even when the storms come. So I have a question. Why did the disciples go across the lake in the first place? Yes, because Jesus said... Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He's initiating the crossing. And if he's the initiator, then he's also the finisher. What he starts, he will finish. If Jesus says, come on, guys, we're going this way, then he's going to make sure we get to the other side, isn't he? He's not going to let anything get in the way. And he's not going to wave us off and say, hey, good luck, guys. See you on the other side. He's right there in the boat with us. And do you know what? 
Jesus probably knew what was ahead. He probably knew that there was a storm ahead, and yet he doesn't say, hey guys, let's go a different way. He doesn't say that. He still takes them onto the lake. He still takes them into the storm. Why? Because he knows it's going to be okay. Because you know that kind of thing when you're the creator of the heavens and earth and can command the wind and the waves with just one word. He had fear of nothing. And he wanted the disciples to see that a sudden and furious squall was no match for him. He wanted them to see that they could live in complete peace, even through a storm, as long as he was there. And he says, guys, why are you afraid? You know, some people think that he's rebuking them, but he actually rebukes the wind, doesn't he? What he says to them is, it's like, guys, trust me, I'm here. You can have peace in the storm as long as I'm here. And we need to let it sink in that storms will come even when we're with Jesus. As Christians, we're not immune to pain and suffering and difficulty and disappointment. We face all kinds of storms in life, don't we? And they can come suddenly and unexpectedly. And that's even when we're in the boat with Jesus. That's even when we've been obedient to the voice of God. A storm can come and we think, what? What? What is happening? But what causes the storms? How how do storms form around our lives? And I think there's three things. Firstly, we can definitely say that some storms come because the enemy just wants to have a go. We know that because the Bible tells us in John chapter 10 that all he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. He seeks to rob us of anything good that God has for us, including life itself. And he whips up storms around us to sabotage God's plans and purposes. And he wants either the boat to sink or he wants us to turn the boat around and head back to shore with no hope of reaching the other side. That's what the enemy wants. Secondly, I think sometimes storms They just come. Life happens. Accidents happen. We deal with grief. We deal with disappointment. We have to weather these storms and we can't explain them. And we have lots of questions and very few answers. And these are storms that we have to bear. And they can easily throw us off course. And thirdly, we have to get real for a moment and say, Have I caused this storm? Clearly, biblically, there's reason to ask that question. Did I bring this storm on myself? Let's think about Jonah, for instance. We read about him in the Bible, and it says God gave him a job to do, which was basically to go and tell a bunch of people in the city of Nineveh to think about how they were living, to reconsider it, and to turn to God. And what did Jonah do? Or what did he not do? He outright said, no, I'm not doing it. And he decided to run in the opposite direction in a boat. And what happened? It says a violent storm comes and it brings chaos to Jonah's life. And it brings chaos to the life of everyone else on the boat. And they end up throwing him overboard. And God in his mercy 
sends a fish to swallow him up and then vomit him out on the shore three days later. You know, some people's lives are in chaos because they're running away from Jesus. And thank goodness we don't need to live inside a big fish for three days to get back on track with God's plans and purposes for our lives. You know, all we need to do is say, I'm so sorry, Lord. And just like that, peace comes and calm is restored. Uh, It's interesting that it says that the moment they throw Jonah overboard, what happened? The raging sea grew calm. So in other words, the moment he got off the boat that was heading in the wrong direction, peace was restored. Think about that. God uses the storm to reroute Jonah and get him where he needed to be. And I wonder for us if that's a helpful way to look at the storms that we face. Are we perhaps being rerouted? So we'd be foolish to not ask that question. Have I caused this storm? Am I being obedient to all that God has asked me to do? Now, you might say, yes, Julie, I I have as best as I can to the best of my ability. I I think I'm being obedient to what God's saying. I'm listening to his voice. I'm living for him. And yet this storm is still raging. Why is that? Well, I'm not sure we have a definitive answer to that. But what I can say is that we have an enemy who hates us who hates what we're about, who hates what we're doing, who hates the church. We also, living in a world where God's kingdom isn't fully come yet. It hasn't fully come. And life is like a battle and we're fighting and sometimes it feels like we're losing. And the waves are crashing in one after another and we don't think like we can keep going. I don't know about you, but I mean, I've never been in a boat in a storm, thank goodness. But I have experienced waves crashing over me. For the first time, um, just last year, on our family holiday, we went bodyboarding. And we've never done this before. And I think we picked the stormiest, windiest day in the whole entire year to do this on a little tiny Scottish island on the west coast. And um, my husband, he's like, come on, further in, come further in. So we're really, really deep in. And these waves are massive. And I remember the overwhelming feeling of power as a wave crashed down on top of me. And I remember thinking, when am I going to get my next breath? It felt like I was under for such a long time. And I thought, I remember thinking, will I ever get another breath? And a sense of panic rising up within me. It was such an immense power. Nothing I could have done to stop it. And it felt like I was never going to resurface. And Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? Wave crashes in and we think, will I ever resurface? Storms are hard. There's no doubt about it. And we may never know the cause of our storm, but this is what we do know. Jesus is in the boat. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm here. Trust me with your life. Put your faith in me and I'll never leave you. I think we can read from in this story, we see that Jesus was in the boat, but he was sleeping. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes for us? Jesus is in the boat, but it feels like he's sleeping. And we're crying out, 
Where are you, God? Do you even care about me, Jesus? This was the disciples' cry. You know, the storm threatened to destroy them. Waves were breaking over the boat and it was filling up fast and it was overwhelming and they were panicking and they were finally turning to Jesus. But at that point, it wasn't out of faith. They turned to him out of disappointment and fear. Jesus, don't you care? Why are you sleeping? It reminds me of Psalm 10 verse 1 and the writer says, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourselves in times of trouble? Jesus, we say, Jesus, I'm in the middle of this storm and I'm only here because you said to get in the boat and go this way. Why are you sleeping? And I was think, as I was thinking about this scripture, I was thinking about the whole teaching moment thing. And I think this is a moment. Remember that Jesus knew that he won't always be physically with the disciples. Think about that. He knew there was a time coming when he wouldn't physically be there. He's setting them up for a time when he goes back to heaven, a time when his presence alone will be enough. He's preparing them for when the Spirit comes and he says the Spirit is always by our side. So here they are in the boat and he's teaching them, I can rest, you don't need to wake me up because my presence alone is enough. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. His presence is with us. And do you know what that means? It means his power is with us. His peace is with us. And we need to learn how to trust him in the silence. In those times when we feel like we don't hear his voice. But he says, my presence is with you. And my presence is enough. You know, when it feels like Jesus is sleeping, it doesn't say that he doesn't care. It tells you that he's an all-powerful being who is not threatened by the storms of your life. He has an extraordinary peace because he's got this and he's got you. And he's much bigger than any circumstance you'll ever face. He's not panicking. He's not panicking. He's resting. There's no storm in your life that threatens Jesus. The boat is staying afloat and it's going to get to the other side. Amen? Amen. (laughs) And so if we have Jesus in our boat then we need to see our storms in light, in the light of his presence and his power. Sometimes the biggest storms in our lives aren't actually what's happening outside the boat. It's on the inside, isn't it? Storms of fear, storms of anxiety and insecurity. And sometimes, just like Jesus didn't take the disciples on a different route in order to avoid the storm, sometimes Jesus doesn't change the circumstances around us. Instead, he says, let's go through this together. And along the way, the change will be on the inside. He said, let peace break into your heart. In John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, this is Jesus' promise. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
You know, we have all the what if questions, don't we? What if this happens? What if that happens? And our mind fills up with anxious thoughts, like waves crashing in, swamping the boat. It's overwhelming and we become fearful of what might happen. But what if we switched our thinking? What if we get into the boat acknowledging that storms will come? But what if we've already decided beforehand that no matter what, we trust him and we come ready with our faith? What if we decided before we got into the boat that we'd fix our eyes on Jesus? That we'd trust in his presence and his power and we wouldn't rely on our own power. We wouldn't depend on ourselves, but we'd depend on Jesus. And that's when peace comes. That's when we can have peace through the worst times in our lives. Mark and I have gotten into many boats with Jesus over the past 20 years or so. We've been through many storms. And, uh, you know, I, I think about one particular storm took us all the way to Australia. And uh, it was an incredible experience. And some storms, I can say for sure, we kept our eyes fixed on Jesus. But there are some storms that we didn't quite keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And the difference isn't that when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the circumstances suddenly get better instantly. The difference is the degree of peace on the inside that you experience when you go through a storm. Jesus makes that difference. He brings peace. And each storm we've been through, it's become easier to trust. Jesus is using it. He's teaching us. Every time we go through a storm, he says, I'm bigger than your storm. Put your trust in me. And this past year, we've probably had our biggest storm of all, a furious squall. And even in the past couple of weeks, we've had a huge wave come in to the boat. Huge. And I know that we're going to have an amazing story to tell because Jesus is in the boat with us. I know that. But we're in the middle of it right now. And God's been so kind that even in the preparation of this message, the timing has been so perfect to the point where we can say, it's going to be okay. Like with faith. It's going to be okay because Jesus is in the boat and he's the one who called us into the boat and he'll make sure that we get to the other side. And, you know, it's scary being in the middle of a storm. But we believe with all our heart in the saving power and presence of Jesus. And that's the difference it's made to having a storm without Jesus in the boat and a storm with Jesus in the boat. He's the one I want in the boat if I'm going to go through a storm. I want to tell you a story in closing of a man that I met. Well, I've actually known him for a long time, but <laughs> 20 years. But I was chatting with him over Christmas. This man um, was what you would call a kind of typical self-made man. Very successful a successful businessman in the oil industry, wanted for nothing, um, you know, children in private school education, just just seems like a great life. Church goer and uh, everything going for him, very self-sufficient. Um, last year, he got a new job in America, in Texas, and uh, he went over there and he told me that very quickly things began to unravel in his life. His future became unclear. Uh, he, would he even have a job anymore? His wife and kids were living back in Scotland here, 
And it was putting strain on the family. It was very difficult. It was very lonely. It was a struggle. And he experienced a loss of passion and joy for his work that he'd always loved in the past. He experienced failure and a complete loss of self-confidence. And for him, this was his furious squall. This was his sudden and unexpected storm. He was shaken in his own area of expertise. Just like the fisherman in the boat. Shaken in an area where he was once full of confidence and self-assurance. And he found himself heading to a church out there at this point in his life where he didn't know what on earth to do. And this is what he said to me. For the first time in my life, I realized who Jesus was and how much I need him. I didn't know of my need of Jesus until the things that were in my control were all of a sudden out of my control. You know, of course, this is a horrible experience to go through. But listen, it was the storm that caused the shift in his thinking, in his attitude, and in his life. He was a self-made man. And then suddenly the wheels are coming off. And this nominal trust that he'd had in Jesus for 20 years was eroded away. And something in the storm caused him to reach out and cling on to Jesus. The truth is, I think storms come to produce a need. And that need is Jesus. And the outcome of his story is one of faith and intimacy. You know, Jesus has become real to him. Not just a philosophy or a tradition anymore. He's a friend closer than a brother. And when you speak with him now, this guy is alive with the spirit of God. What was it that brought him to that place? The storm. What will you do in the storm? How do you see your storm? Things that you've got no control over. At the end of the day, who are you going to trust? Finances? The market? Your boss, the job. Are you putting your trust in the material or the eternal? Who do you want in your boat in the middle of a storm? I want Jesus in my boat. (laughs) I want someone who can command the wind and the waves. Someone with authority to speak into my circumstances. Someone who is not afraid. And sometimes the storm gets you exactly where God wants you to be. Do you think the disciples had less faith or more faith after the storm? More faith. God used the storm. What if we saw our storm in a different way? Saw them as opportunities. There's one more storm in the Bible I want to talk about. And it's when Paul um, was on a boat. And he was actually under, under arrest. He was, they were heading to Rome. He was the only Christian on the boat. They were heading to Rome where he was going to be under house arrest. And it says, a furious storm came. And it was raging for 14 days. And everyone thought that the outcome was going to be terrible. And God uses the storm to do two things. First of all, he uses it to reroute Paul. Paul thought he was headed to Rome. And that's why he was in the boat. But because of the storm he ended up in a little island called Malta. And he wasn't on holiday, although that sounds very nice. It's not where he was headed. It's not where he thought he was going. But what we read is that because of that reroute, he ended up ministering to, 
preaching the gospel and healing the chief official of the island's dad. These are people who had never experienced God. They didn't know him. They'd never experienced his healing power. And if Paul hadn't gone through the storm, who knows if they would ever have heard of God's goodness, of his power, and whether God would have been glorified in that situation. I wonder who's on the other side of your storm. Who is God going to transform because you stayed on the boat with your eyes fixed on Jesus? Secondly, um, he used it as a witness to God's goodness and his sovereignty. This was a massive shipwreck. It was doomed. Everyone was doomed to die in this moment. It was a crisis. And Paul, right in the middle of it, says, guys, I've heard from God, you're going to need to eat because not one single hair on your head is, nothing's going to happen to you. Everyone's going to be okay. So eat up because we've got things to do when we get ashore. Then he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of everyone, acknowledging God. And they ate and it says, everyone was encouraged. And suddenly, Paul is Jesus in the boat. He becomes the peace carrier in that moment. And he says, you don't need to worry. God's taking care of things. He has become Jesus in the boat. And I think this morning God is saying to us, you are also Jesus in the boat. You are the carrier of Christ now in the storms that people face. The way that we handle crisis and pain and suffering and disappointment in our life, it demonstrates Jesus. It demonstrates peace. We can be Jesus representative in the boat of other people's storms. Crisis and, and, and personal crisis is an opportunity to bring people to Jesus through the way that we demonstrate peace in our lives. And then your storm becomes not about what happened to you, but what God can do through you in the storm. You see, once you've survived the storm, you have to find out why you've survived the storm. What purpose has God got for you as you've come out the other side of the storm? And is there a situation where you could be Jesus in the boat for someone? Mark and I chose to get in the boat with Jesus. He invited us in and we said yes. And we're not sure exactly where the boat's headed. Um, We expect the possibility of waves along the way. But we 100% believe without a doubt that he cares for us deeply. And he initiated this crossing. And because he initiated it, he'll see us through right till the end. And he'll get us there safely. We've learned that he is the captain of the boat. We've learned that what he started, he'll finish. We've learned that storms won't last. They'll come and go. And even though we may not never, ever know the true cause of our storm, that's okay. We don't need all the answers. We just need Jesus. He alone has the authority to speak peace into every circumstance and to calm any storm that you might face. And be encouraged because sometimes it's the troubles of life that get us exactly where God wants us to be. It's scary right in the middle of it, but there's a promise of peace found in Jesus' presence. There's not a single storm in your life that he won't show up in. 
What did the disciples do to get to the other side? Nothing except stay in the boat, fix their eyes on Jesus and cling to him, which seems like a small and insignificant thing for us to do, but it's not. Just stay in the boat and let Jesus take you to the other side. It's encouraging, isn't it? And almost, almost, dare I say it, can we be glad that we have storms so that Jesus can show us his power, his presence, and we can build our faith and trust in him.